Listeners of the Rolled Table, welcome to a special episode of Knights of the Rolled Table. A very special episode because we are all in the same room. Yay! I'm touching Jeff right now. I'm touching, touching him. I'm touching him. I don't Joining me this afternoon is Zach Stones. Hey. Carlos Guzman. Hello. Jennifer Stopper Crespo. That's me. Chris Daly. Bonjour. And Matt Messerman. Hi, everyone. These are all the cast members for season four of Knights of the World Table, and we are doing a very special after-season show, which is a thing <laughs> that- Post-season wrap-up. A post-season wrap-up, as as you might say. <laughs> and um, this is a, a chance for us to talk about the season, talk about all of the things that happened in the season, so out much. of the season, through the season, in the fourth dimension of the season- and everything else in between. And we have finished recording the last episode just a few weeks ago. And, well, what did you guys think? This is a whirlwind season. I feel like, uh, well, first time for us doing two characters simultaneously. And uh, it was a, it was a stretch of my facilities. I don't know that I would do it again. Mm-hmm. But it was uh, it was definitely an experience to be juggling, and then to have those characters in the same room was definitely oh well hello. <laughs> now we get to find out how good your voice acting really is, and the answer is not that great. Uh, that's why you need to be a druid and shapeshift into something that can't talk during that time. <laughs> well, way to break the game, Matt. <laughs> I thought it, I thought it was fun. I mean, personally, I love playing all these different characters. Mm-hmm. So playing two, you know, in the same recording session was great. Um, it was very ambitious on your part, I think, Jeff, as a DM, uh, just to take on multiple storylines and have them converse and and all the different things going on. But I think I think if anything, this season narratively raised a lot of stakes for for the world, which is which was kind of cool. Um, we've always kind of talked about having. Uh, the show, you know, kind of have standalone episodes or standalone seasons. And and we're kind of transitioning into more of like, it, it probably helps to have a little bit of backstory and like, l- uh, listen to some previous seasons. But, but <laughs> I mean, I think the season could stand on its own because there's, you know, like, especially with the one group, um, the, the all new characters, uh, it was very like approachable, like you, you didn't have to necessarily know what was going on ahead of time. So it, it it's still it's still pretty cool. Carlos, this is your first time jumping in at the start of a season and joining us as a cast member for the entire season. Uh, what what was the experience like from your perspective? Oh, um, uh, as Jen mentioned, it's so fun to juggle two characters at the same time. <laughs> uh, no, my 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 sort of instincts going in were uh, I worked in comic book editorial for several years, so my instinct was kind of once you requested that we do two characters, was to try and figure out like, like okay, what's the A story and what's the B story, and I felt so confused in like the first <laughs> few sessions when it's like. I think he's running parallel stories. I think they both matter, and I can't just um, half throw one away. One, one <laughs> of these characters, I have to actually like fully commit to to uh, both of who they are, and then kind of just have things. It, it was it was it was it was interesting to see how like one story like took shape in a way that was um, uh, very uh, maybe not typical campaign, but like the structure of an adventure was very clear, and the other one uh, less so. Like it, it did involve a temple, and then eventually fighting a genie. But I think like the the sort of like a bit of the meandering tone on that one made it seem sort of like, what's he doing? What sort of art film stuff is Jeff trying to get us to realize here? The power of friendship? Is it, uh... So what uh, was the master plan, Jeff? What was the master plan, Jeff? So my my design process <laughs> was I worked from the finale basically backwards, and the. Uh, premise that I had was that I wanted you guys to struggle as people who were going to be playing two different characters struggle between doing things that your character should do and things that you want to you want them to do 
And the way that I thought to do that was to make one set of characters that was all new, that start at this kind of low, medium level, let them just have nonstop fun all the time, like (laughs) go and kill, level up, new items, it's great, you're cool. And then have the returning cast have this long- Miserable slog. Miserable (laughs) slog. Capped by an absolute defeat. Yeah. And then have you face off against each other and see whether you would, whether you would, how you would react to a situation where these are the enemies and these are the enemies and you have to um, fight against each other. And Mm -hmm. uh, so that was the, that was the premise that I thought up in my head was to go one layer meta on it. And I designed backwards from that. And did it go the way you thought it would? Honestly, had no idea. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 a lot of this was, I knew where it was going to end up, and I just kind of um, tried to put as many dominoes in the way as we were going. Like it, I, it felt like having a domino, a domino run where I knew where it was going to end up, but I was just going to put pieces down as you guys were going, and just knew that I just needed to put the pieces in where it was going to end up. Hmm. Well, I thought it was very fun. Okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> I think I think as a listener, um, it, it's probably would coherently make a little bit more sense if you kind of are able to listen to it faster than every two weeks, because th- that's the challenge that I, I think I heard from some people was just like, oh, if, if it's been a little while and it's right in the middle of the season or something, you might get a little confused on what's going on. Uh, I got a little confused. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even if we're doing it, um, but. But that being said, I think it was really successful in in terms of uh, having that sort of challenge of okay, l- let's see, let's see the knights' experience internally. We've we've kind of moved past the um, you know who are the knights of the realm and and it's a mysterious thing and like it, and now it's like now we're just in it to the point now we don't know who to trust and that was that was a big theme of of the season uh, for for a bit. I thought. You might be doing like I thought for about a half a session. I thought that the the new group was in a earlier timeline that it was like oh, a prequel mm. group or something. Uh, and I was like, wait a second, is this like <laughs> an early something that sets up? That but, would have been brilliant. Uh, yeah. That's a much that better idea. Let's yeah, back. let's <laughs> then go we just back and record it. In a cave. Yeah. Um, anyway, but yeah, I, I so let's can we? What do you guys? Think about like that 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 sort of uh, internal, um, you know, like we don't know who to trust in the organization and and that kind of aspect. That well, I liked that we never really knew who to trust. Like it wasn't <laughs> clear to us as players, I think either, because on both part in both places we were being led by someone who seemed trustworthy enough, giving us direction, and we were just all right. We're part of the knights. Knights are good. Let's go. And we knew there was some sort of subterfuge out there, but. Yeah. We never knew who, so that was all. I I I thought that perhaps the people that we knew were actually going to end up being the the bad guys, so to speak, uh, for a, quite a bit of the season. I was all prepared to have to kill. Yeah, from the us. from the first episode, we I think uh, Remy's group thought Remy was like when he was like talking in blue light. It was like, what's that blue light? What what's the, that blue light? Must be evil. You know, he's just he's not just on a communicator. It's like. Uh, but we we were so quick to judge. <laughs> that was definitely another tool that I wanted to have was like Alistair being like, hey, guys, yeah, I'm on the same team as you. Like, we're cool. And Remy being very distant and cold and just kind of leaving you like almost to decide for yourselves, not really having that like hand-holding guidance on it. Um, so I, I hope that that mm-hmm. worked in creating uh, kind of two different experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was still like you mentioned uh, – having the struggle between like what you as a player would want to do versus what your character might choose to do based off of what they know. And I think you were effective in that because I definitely know there were a couple situations where it was like, I know, like knowing the other things I know that how I feel about this, but this character uh, does not have that breadth of knowledge. So, you know, just kind of trying to play the reality of, okay, here we go. I'm trusting that. And it felt good to know that um, you're all very competent DM or um, you're all very confident Dungeons and Dragons players. So I knew that it wouldn't be um, new players being thrown into something that you wouldn't be able to keep in your head. It wouldn't be such a challenging amount of 
statistics and oh, character sheets. Oh, it was challenging. <laughs> well, good. I want it challenging, but not overwhelming to shut you yeah. out. I think. I think it was not challenging. <laughs> it, the problem wasn't that <laughs> we couldn't keep everything in our heads. Like we, many of us struggled with that. It's that like we're fine not really knowing. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody here is like, "What's going on?" Oh yeah, that that. Okay, let's roll. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it would be like four weeks between the last time that I played uh-huh. this character. That was a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, and in our um, a little behind the curtain, how we would record this was we would do a two or three hour session with one group entirely, and then the next time we met, we would do the other group for two or three hours, and then edit them so that it kind of ping ponged back and forth. So you were getting, um, you know, the first third of a record in an episode where it went from one to one, and then in the second was that middle part. So definitely there was um, time in between that I know for, uh, you know, if we took a two-week break off of something, it Thank might be Thank God a for month. Matt Messerman and his uh, ridiculously detailed he's, notes. He's scrolling through notes right yeah, now. And it's it just like paragraphs and paragraphs. Basically <laughs> our cliff notes before every session. Yeah, it wasn't until, uh, until April. Oh, it wasn't until April that we started actually – doing them at the same in the same recording where we would yes. start having both and well we yeah we recorded in like october we recorded like or four or five sessions with most of us not knowing what the format was and not really understanding just like showing up jeff would be like you're this team right now and it wasn't really until the first episode was released <laughs> that we were like oh we're going back and forth oh okay that part of that recording session will be an episode <laughs> and like we're just rolling with like trust to jeff that like he's working on something <laughs> just it's be in the go moment somewhere. <laughs> what if I just didn't include one whole campaign? If I just the whole team Alistair stuff that, that was just the backup never campaign. Happened. Yeah, that would honestly be very Jeff Frank. Finished with the red wizard and it's like, okay, well, you guys are good. You guys are good. Great. You're in Great down, season. You're in downtime for a little while. And, uh, uh, well, let's talk about the the two different realms that got introduced. So we had Red mm-hmm. Basin, which was a desert realm. Um, kind of different environment for us. And then we also had Caster City. city. Well, that's the city, but what's the... Yeah. All right. Yeah, and then Caster City. So Caster... What would, you, what would you have said you based... Uh, uh, what did you base Caster City on? I'm not really sure. I kind of wanted a jungle city location, like, you know, um, a bigger South American city type of uh, feel to it that, um, you know, is a big metropolis, but also is adjacent to really lush, beautiful environment that isn't, uh, I think, normally part of uh, kind of how we think about metropolis areas, right? They kind of sprawl yeah. out and... and ev- it seems kind of mor- Moroccan. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, because of the bazaar and the, the, <laughs> the... That's what I was envisioning is all these like kind of low kind of uh, clay structure buildings and, and, and everything with like, like Agrabah. Yeah, kind of, but, but a little bit more modernized, but uh, like a medieval version of that. So, but I, that's what was in my head. Yeah. And the geography for the red basin, uh, I stole from the um, forgotten realms map. There's that big desert mm. in the middle there. I was like, Oh, that's cool. A big desert's cool. So <laughs> that's what I, put that really in the middle. Of the perfect map. place for a miserable slog. Yes. <laughs> the Efridi touched and like mm-hmm. out of everything, I feel like their whole camp and like that whole experience, like basically meeting a new culture. Um, that that was kind of a standout for me for sure. Awesome. Yeah, that's from our um, ancestry and culture. More ancestries and culture. I think from that module. And yeah, I saw that and there was like, oh, this. This will be perfect. The That's idea awesome. of a spoiled child with like infinite power. Infinite power. And... Yeah. <laughs> Teeny tiny living space. Uh, any favorite moments that anybody had from uh, besides that one? Uh, that's a good one. I mean, our entire party getting killed. Uh, yeah, our first TPK. Yep. Yeah, I, I I realized it fairly early on, and I was like, I. I guess I got to be careful in how I say this. Uh, I was very excited about it to a, to a degree that some would consider uh, gross. So uh, I just thought it was like, oh, man, 
Jeff's gonna kill us all. This is gonna be amazing. <laughs> um, and and as it went down and as it happened, it just just sort of uh uh like the 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 excitement of what's essentially like a boss battle in Dark Souls going terribly wrong, uh to all of us and and having <laughs> other characters having to witness other characters die was just like man this this surprisingly has a little bit of gravitas for the fact that he's essentially just doing the absolutely worst thing a DM could do to their party is just be a complete. <laughs> And the whole the whole setup for that was like I remember I think going back and forth with Jarek as Sarsa and like it was like how like we can't not go like it, like that's again again playing with that thing of like what do I as a player want to do versus what would my character do and like yeah you gotta go and and just sitting there and kind of feeling like I'm in the back seat I'm along for the ride and I was literally the last person standing in that fight that's just right. like. This is what's happening. I don't have any control. I'm just going to trust the DM that there's either going to be some kind of an emotional payoff or something. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, it, it played out like it did. But, um, yep, that yeah. was that was a thing. And I think we had just leveled up when that happened. So it was like, oh, cool. I'm going to try out these new things. I got this new fourth level spell. Let's do it. And it just wiped out. I mean, like, I, I think I brought up a gargoyle or something. Just crushed. <laughs> just immediately. Like, oh, we're... We're not going to survive this. Yeah, it, it, those characters were good ones for that like character arc, that situation. Like I think Jarek and Sarsa, especially Branch too. Like all those characters that the ongoing characters that were in that certainly for like Jarek's whole struggle of like he's kind of like compelled to do good even though he hates it. Like it's the perfect, it's the perfect thing. I think he was always dreading that he'd just like lead people into a situation because he felt compelled to, and then they'd all die, and he did. And I think that like. That went along for me with like losing a level, which was partly mechanically so that Jeff mm -hmm. could like level out the two parties to even it out. He had to level up one group. I remember the conversation where I was talking hypothetically with Jeff about like, well, it'd be great if he has a new characters, but like we don't want like we don't want like level bloat in our like whole story. So if you could come up with kind of a cool way to like introduce new characters and level them out and like there they were. So dropping a level from those characters that Com combined with like that bigger emotional moment i think like chris just texted us to like level up characters to level nine for the for the next season and i did both so there's no spoilers about who's gonna be in the next season but i leveled up both my characters to level nine and i think it like totally shifts Jarek's like outlook for the future of like what he's developing and what he's worried about it's a powerful it's a powerful moment to lean into and i think especially since Jarek had just learned that that sand mold earth yes. cantrip and then <laughs> nice for you to moment. then yeah try and use it again but not have it yeah he know. had basically had that just like one i think maybe was it just the one level that we had from the beginning that we had added yeah and jarek's mindset in that was like i just want to learn spells this cool like book we wrote i wrote a scene that uh, jeff has that we never recorded about like jarek uh being offered like cool warlocks that when he like levels up being offered these like gifts of like, oh, you can have this magical sword. No, you could have this like companion. It's Warlock level three, the Pact Boon. Mm. You could have this companion to work. I don't want any more companions. I don't want anybody to talk to me. <laughs> and then they offer him this book and he's like, wow, a book. Like, I don't think Eric, Jarek's very educated. He probably doesn't read very well. So like a magical book was huge for him. And so he just kind of learned stuff like the Sandcastle cantrip and stuff that were just fun for him. And that's exactly what he lost. And I think after that like sacrificial moment, He'd just be very compelled to like, I can't screw around with this other stuff. I have to survive. I have to fight. And so like his track, including that next level, I think is completely different. So that's been what I've been pounding like now in the moment since that, because we were just leveling up. Uh, for me, I I liked the human enterprises, uh, yeah, <laughs> like undercover mission that we took on. Uh, I thought yeah. that was yeah. the, the, the yeah. tower, yeah. The, the sort of. Die Hard episodes, and we became yes. clowns because he had a fetish for clowns or something like that. <laughs> and then he was like, "Wait a second, you're not clowns." <laughs> There's like, a lot I cut from that episode. Pushed, pushed him oh, out. Did you cut the clowns? I no, we, uh, we mentioned that, I couldn't but... cut all of it because then none of it would make any sense. <laughs> but there was a lot of double entendre <laughs> that was just like, oh, "No, this can't. This can't be in this." <laughs> well, the funny thing is that it, it it started off with this boss battle, which went pretty quickly because we pushed him out a window. Yeah. And and then he died, but then it became this, now we have to get out of this tower, and then and yeah. we're also 
creating a um a slave uprising <laughs> from all these people that are like we can fight yeah <laughs> ridiculous yeah that whole progression was great i was definitely thinking through favorite moments from the season and i feel a little bit spoiled because that was a great moment that was a great moment that i kind of like made from igneous jumping out knocking him out the window just because i had a new ability where i knew i could float it's like ooh, <laughs> chris just broke a window i'm definitely knocking this guy out the window but then like immediately after that igneous like he was the last one standing in the druid fight that was a huge moment and i think in whatever whatever was going on with jarek in parallel to the knocking uman out the window was also a huge moment for jarek maybe it was the puns i just felt like this has just been so awesome. There's been so many fun moments, this boop to boop to boop that Jeff set up that like, I feel spoiled. Like we need other fun moments for everybody because this has been amazing. There's a bunch of those. I, I also liked in the, uh, on the other party when we went into the temple and the, the riddles. Yes. The, the riddles with the, the really old snake or uh, not snake, but mm-hmm. the, like snake temple person. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Question number five. <laughs> How many questions are there? Sixteen. Like, oh no, uh-huh. it's Jeff. This could go on <laughs> several hours. We're all having flashbacks to yeah. the magic item scenario <laughs> in season three. How many could he have? Two Probably trains are heading towards Castor City. <laughs> I was like, oh no, but that was that was really fun. One uh, moment that I really liked, and it was such a. Um, it ended up being a longer thing. I hadn't obviously planned any of it, but it was just after it was before you guys were going to meet the first contact and Igneous was going to go undercover. Oh yeah. And you just, <laughs> it was just show. like, let's well, fashion. show was earlier, but getting right. Igneous ready. Yeah. So like, <laughs> it was like the night before and it was just, let's go over and see what's in this square. Oh yeah. And like that, Brought us to like the Petra's pockets and like it just had a, a couple of other little random the, uh, things. The, the Castor City tourist right uh, booth that was like uh, what what what's uh the what? cursed item I booth. want I want some, yeah the cursed <laughs> everything was cursed right yeah it was <laughs> and, and like I didn't plan any of that it that was, was just you guys were like let's go check it out and I was like sure let's keep saying yes and so that was just pure pure improv fun that we uh, I think made some great scenes from it's awesome a fun moment for me as a player was when uh, you surprised us all with Acevedo uh, popping in mm-hmm. to the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Big shout out to Matt Acevedo hey. joining us. Thanks, uh, man. Thanks oh. for coming. <laughs> we, whenever we did Cass's voice later, we're impersonating our impression of Matt Acevedo yeah, right. and not yeah. in any it way impersonating Cass. Cass. It was like, oh, hello, everyone. It, <laughs> yeah, right. It's yeah. basically Matt Acevedo was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, and then Matt, being Matt is such a lovable guy. Matt Acevedo, obviously, uh, um, that having him betray us was yep. ah, really clever on your part. I couldn't because believe I didn't it. see it coming. Well, let's see what he has to say, ladies and gentlemen. Matt Acevedo. Oh. I'm just kidding. He's not How actually. dare you, man? That's what the extra chair was for. Oh. I don't have any other questions because I didn't really prepare anything for this. <laughs> just like not the everyone. season, Jeff just like the prepare. season. I'm just showing what up happened. And, and hanging uh, out. You, we found all of XX Bloody Heart stuff, Jeff. Do you like know what's up with that, or are you just throwing that out there? Yeah, spoil it, Jeff. What's going on? Tune into season five, dropping on <gasps> January forty fifth or whatever. What? <laughs> <laughs> what uh, next? Your problem, Chris. That's what he just said. Well, no, yeah. I, I had asked Jeff about that um, <clears throat> in in our recent session zero for season five. Don't tell us there's a plan. Just no. Don't tell us what the plan is. Just tell us there's a plan. We yeah, need our so, XX future. So, so tune tune <laughs> yeah, we'll into session zero because we have a brief discussion about that. But nice. yeah, I think the the brief synopsis uh, synop synopsis synopsis synopsis, uh, synopsis. in the brain. The brief synopsis of that is sometimes DMs can leave little hints and easter eggs especially if they know somebody else is gonna take over and and we're doing it in a kind of a unique way where you know we are we are multi-dming and and stuff like that so i think that's kind of a fun to sort of volley up something to be like play with this and and i will (laughs) super (laughs) i also think though it's wonderful though that the tables got to get turned because i feel like you jeff as playing xx bloody heart and having those items created um quite a bit of havoc with them so allowing them to inhabit the world in which you are dming and now they're your problem uh was kind of fun to see that get 
flipped on its head. Well, that's why I didn't get it to the end of the season. But. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Igneous has the camel cloak. and he's, Just like I am, I'm like, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> this is useless. Which is the same thought I had as a DM in season one of like, yeah, fine, whatever. You can turn into a camel. And of course, Jeff made that into epic plot points. <laughs> See, a tool, it, it, a <laughs> random item is just a tool that hasn't found a use yet, so. How about as as your characters, what do you think was a, a turning point or a key maybe development point? Like like Zach kind of mentioned about Jarek. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, so from, from a character standpoint, did anybody have like, oh, this was a, a really big moment for their character in this season? I, I mean, I think for me, for Deidre, um, the relationship with Yenny, like that kind of like, here's somebody that actually kind of like looks up to me like a little bit. And I think that she, like they are so polar opposites, but like they have such a very genuine, I don't know, that was one of my favorite things to kind of see her because she kind of. You know, I, I feel like as far as my character, she had probably the flimsiest backstory that I've ever come <laughs> up with. <laughs> she was just, you know, it was very kind of cobbled this together. This is a high elf rogue. Yeah, uh, just, you know, very, very I've been drinking a lot and, of champagne And a halfling lately. barbarian. <laughs> yeah, so, but like the, 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 just the, the fun of those two characters was kind of definitely a highlight for me. And I felt like kind of helped to give her something to really kind of care about and to like be a little bit more of a driving factor for me on that one. Um, for Sarsa, I think physically watching Jarek get killed was mm. tough. And like, I mean, obviously like they've already been like thick as thieves, but like that just kind of was tough. That was probably like, so I don't know if we'll see if we see more of them or whatever, but like that probably would have a lasting where, impact and being the last person standing in that. There's a little follow up question. Where do you think the relationship with, with, Will they, won't they? No, no, no. Not. <laughs> uh, with with Yenny and Deidre, where do you think it should go or, or could go? I mean, I, I could see them like just going and causing havoc and like probably like I think in Deidre's mind, she thinks she can maybe somehow like my fair lady this, but that's probably not <laughs> what would happen at all. And I think I think Yenny, even though like she's such wonderful chaos energy, like I think she brings out a bizarre kind of softness that is uh, so that would be kind of I know it's not a very definitive answer. It's yeah, more like the the feel of it. I don't know. Carlos, you play Yenny. Tell me what, what your thoughts would be. Yeah, on. I mean, th- I think that Jen's point, um, part part of the thing with uh, Yenny was that uh, uh, when I was talking earlier about sort of trying to figure out sort of which which was the main storyline and which is the side storyline, I spent maybe 30 minutes on making y- the Yenny character as a whole, <laughs> whereas I spent maybe like two hours coming up with uh, the Delit stuff. So she didn't really have like a lot of backstory. I just sort of had an idea of an attitude, which is like, oh, okay, sort of characteristic and uncharacteristic. Uh, small halfling who usually we interpret as being kind of like like a hobbit uh, version in, in, in Dungeons and & Dragons, and then just like a brash orcish attitude to that and it's like oh yeah that could be fun that could be a good time um but there really wasn't as much of an idea as sort of like what's her point of view like what um what does she want out of life like most of that stuff started coming together later and sort of like forming later so the relationship with Deidre was really kind of something that came out of the play and not out of some prescribed idea of like, oh, these are the characters that are getting along. We should emphasize that or something like it really wasn't happening that way um, necessarily. It was just something that was coming out of the actual play sessions, which I found to be great. That was and, fun. Yeah. And and is something very, um, very much our improv training obviously makes us gravitate towards like, oh, this is working. Then this is this is like sort of what we got to make work. Um, and I think as as to their, like their future, uh, it's interesting to hear Jen's perspective um, because to to uh, Yenny, what she finds so great about Deidre is that she finds things offensive and distasteful and sometimes frightening, and yet she will go ahead and do things anyways. Um, and so Yenny is very much of the mind of like you know um, do, doing things is like the ultimate um, uh, the 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 ultimate. 
end point to, to anything, right? Like people that talk and all this stuff. It, it's not like she looks down on it. It's just like it loses her attention. She doesn't want to sit here and plan out the heist. She wants the heist to go wrong so then she can like come up with something stupid or brash to to kind of like do in the moment. Um, and, and she thinks that like the emotional reactions that Deidre has to this stuff while still like going forward to her makes makes her look up to her and think like she's um she's she's really cool and really someone to partner up with because she knows if she goes on and makes a bad decision then Deidre will be there next to her like suffering for it and helping her out of it <laughs> cutting off fingers right <laughs> and she gets to keep the fingers too because Deidre doesn't want them so yes no no doubting <laughs> and Chris you got to make two new characters Biscuit yeah. and Carver. Carver Carver so good and uh, so walk us through playing two new characters this season. I, I, it was very fun. And I often start with an accent. So I was like, I want to have somebody that's just, you know, down home Appalachian boy kind of from where I grew up. And I like the idea of playing a gnome. We haven't really had like a, a fun little gnome main character. Uh, so uh, I, I, I liked the idea of like having a wizard, which I had never played before. Um, so just somebody that was like really excited and really like goofy and, and he has this little sub quest that he didn't tell everybody about <laughs> and, and, uh, it just never came up. Um, but that was really fun. And then Carver was almost the opposite of that is the robotic and mechanical. And I didn't want to make him, you know, data from Star Trek, but I, I didn't want to make him, I, I wanted to make him like, he's trying to figure out what his purpose was, not just as a construct but as a as a um, as a being like i i don't know why i know the things i know and like there's something deeper and um i mean the amnesia hook has has been done before but but i thought from a construct's point of view it's a little different because um when when you're when you have a brain you know it's like and your mind wiped or whatever it's one thing but if you uh, someone can like literally erase data or, or something or like reset you or something that's it's different and would he even care and and so like to the fact that he did and he kind of relied on Jarek and sarsa and branch and, and Delith to kind of like bring some purpose to his life i think that was or his existence <laughs> i liked all his little a little flair he threw on all of his abilities artificer flair yeah so like the hummingbird and the yeah you know I, all of your all of your spells had a little twist to them, and I, I found that really enjoyable as a as a listener as well as a player. That was yeah, that was that was a fun thing to. And then I lost them halfway through the season. It was like with the app, I was like, oh no, they're gone, and so I had to kind of like remake some of them. So, uh, but yeah, that, it's a fun thing as an artificer, I think, uh, to figure out a way because uh, it doesn't necessarily it's not divine, it's not earth based, it's not from a book. It's like you can kind of make up what your what your artifice power is, and it sort of talks about that. So. So that was fun. Branch. Uh, Branch's big moment was probably Oryx. was probably his death. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was the moment that stands out for me. I, I enjoyed meeting uh, Mr. Bill. <laughs> Mr. Stick. Mr. Stick was also there. Yeah. He's Mr. Stick. Yeah. And then, the, but the giant squirrel as well. That was, that was Bill, right? Yeah. So that was fun. Um, and then one thing I've learned from playing uh, D&D with all you guys is you all put way more thought into your backstories for your characters than I ever do. I come up basically what you said, Carlos, for years. It's about as much I've, I'm like, all right, here's their starting point. There's their voice. Here's who they are. And this is kind of their general point of view on the world. And then everything else I just figure out as I go because I have a terrible memory and I will never remember it. my backstory for anything. Oryx was even less than that because Jeff just said, hey, make a sneaky character. Okay. Here's Cats a, are sneaky. Here's a roadblock. It's a tabaxi. I haven't played one of those in 20 years. Let's do that. And originally you, you were going to have a southern accent, but then I messed that up. No, I, I ended up with a Texan accent-ish for RX. Oh, but because I was going to have a Cockney accent. A deeper accent. No, an Australian, Australian. accent. Mm -hmm. You did the Cockney accent, which was too close. So I just threw it off into a different direction. And then you also had a southern accent. I was like, oh, well, they're different <laughs> enough. Let's just see what happens with him. So yeah, Rx did I like really the slow The, the order of our introducing our characters, I think, was like me, which made you be like, oh, I better change this character. And then you reset to Texas. And then he introduced Biscuit. And you're like, screw it. No, I'm keeping this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to commit. I think Rx's uh, moment where I started to latch onto who he was as a character is when Biscuit got really invested in the nicknames. <laughs> I, I think Rx just kind of found Slingshot. that endearing. And so then he just yep. 
I just sort of latched on to Biscuit at that point. Uh, nice job, Slingshot. Yeah. <laughs> I think if for Igneous, I think also, I'm glad it's a common theme that none of us put a ton of backstory into Igneous. <laughs> I definitely thought a lot of like coming through the portal forward and him being very alone and not a lot of like what happened before that, which I've flushed out a little bit since then. But like because he's been alone, I think his narrative of just like the very classic D&D kind of found family. I fit in here. This feels safe. I don't have to be quite as alone is probably the biggest thing for him. But also at the very end, like impact to be determined forward i think meeting sindel meeting this like phoenix avatar entity which he is basically his like god and like his timeline is like he left the 15 years sindel was like in charge there is the 15 years he wasn't there because he was alone here and so he didn't know that was a thing he didn't know the phoenix is in the world and so just running into this person and discovering in kind of like an off <laughs> off camera discussion that he would have been chatting her figuring out like oh my gosh you're the Phoenix, you're here. You've been here. I think all of that would be new for him and very much like how that affects him is to be determined going forward. The Phoenix born is from the ancestry and culture module that we've kind of adopted this season. I wonder if anybody had any thoughts on how having it implemented as the, as a core part of our season affected things or I mean it it directly led to Yenny being the character she is because that, um, that module decouples uh, the ancestry and culture. So um, making her an, uh, a halfling who was raised in orc culture made it so it's it, it's like the most straightforward example you could come up with in that book, right? It's like you literally cleave something and attach it to something that shouldn't work, but it does because it's like that's where they were raised. So, you know, the uh, halfling does not have the, the size or the bulk of an orc, but will behave as if they are an orc because that's the society they were raised in and those are like the values that they hold and have and so like being a barbarian who's a halfling who constantly tosses themselves into the middle of battle however effective that ends up being or not is um like seemed like something exciting to play um fun and uh directly inspired from that even though all it's using is components that already exist in the player's manual you know i didn't go with something like a phoenix born or a tabaxi i just went with the components you already have and since this essentially lets you treat them like lego pieces i just went well these two lego pieces should mm -hmm. fit together but they will <laughs> i really want yenny and gravely to meet mm -hmm. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Be fun. They're sort of Too like, maybe they will. Opposites. We can make it happen. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> she would destroy him. <laughs> uh, Carver wasn't, an, uh, 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 he didn't, I wasn't directly inspired from that, but I, I did take some inspiration from it in the sense that like when he had his memory loss and then he was kind of reactivated and sort of raised for several years by a gnome who was kind of an adventurer of his own, like a toy maker, so a lot of his, uh, you know, current knowledge revolved around toy making and carving and, you know, like making stuff for kids. And that's where all the little the little doohickeys and doodads for the spells came from is in the form of these little gnome toys. Um, and as this is spoilers for the season, but in the last episode during that final strike, uh, Carver's um, sort of sentry mode activated and. He actually has a, an AC of 20 now, but throughout the season, he had an AC of 13 because uh, a lot of his stuff, I told Jeff, like, I'm not going to give him certain things unless there's something, some need to activate a shield and mm -hmm. the extra artificer um, uh, or Warforge like extra ability. So he was actually pretty like low, but now, he, now he's like super tanky, <laughs> uh, which was kind of fun. Kill mode. Activated. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah. It's just, it covers in kill mode. Yeah, yeah that group. Like I had, I ended up with kind of a running joke of like Jarek explaining like if I had hit anything this I would have used this sword and it would have been impressive. There was like three points in the series where he did that, and like thinking back, that's because like he really didn't fight anything, really, except for Gohal <laughs> going completely badly. We just sort of like we negotiated our way through some situations, and there was some moments where he personally just didn't go like sword mode, like the purple worms and stuff, but mostly that group was just kind of like 
talking, role-playing, solving problems, working around. I would around. like to know how many times I've attempted inflict wounds <laughs> and not <laughs> ever worked? hit with it. And it wasn't until that last boss fight. And uh, yeah, there it went. Dreams do come true. Oh. Can I, I want to ask, so from an encounters standpoint, you had a couple of memorable encounters. We had go hall twice you know level one level two go hall mm-hmm. <laughs> uh what do you call it like ascended or whatever um we had the purple worms towards the beginning we had what was your favorite uh encounter like the, the red wizard the the ogre ceo the the dru- the druid under the sewers hard to pick hard to pick a favorite of you darlings um <laughs> I did absolutely love smashing you all into the ground as uh, Gohal and imagining the way in which to try and make that really seem impossible and then to make it impossible because like most of the time when you're designing like, okay, how are they going to fight him? What's their weakness? What are the things that they can use? It was just like, well, he's just going to overwhelm them with fire and and suffering. And so like (laughs) that was a fun thing to think about. Um I think the way he's probably going to talk for a minute. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's see. Smash him down. That'll really bring him down a peg. Shut up for a minute. (laughs) Um, I really like the um, the way that the going through the sewers unfolded to like pick pick people off. That was, and then to um, start it with a disadvantage of having to free everybody first um, was a highlight. And yeah, follow up question. Yes. The final battle. Uh, did you intentionally not take uh, layer actions and um, legendary resistances and legendary actions? Or or was that like... Or did you goof? No, 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 no. It's not It's not a goof. It's like... But like, you know, typically like with big, big final bosses or whatever, they have... Like, like when he got stunned, I was like, oh, he, he got stunned? Like... Um, and I was I was surprised that that happened, but uh, I didn't know if that was a. I basically for that character just kind of beefed up the, I just kind of up some stats of a regular, a free T genie, yeah, yeah. Um, monster, um, and just like doubled the damage. I made them go more often in the in the round and things like that. I didn't. They weren't a true like legendary boss yeah. um, type of thing. So I just kind of hobbled them together. Um, do you but every, what his hit points was? I think it was two. What did we say it was? No, it was like five hundred. You guys oh, got wow. to. You guys did over five hundred hit points and damage. I think. Yeah. How many? How many did uh, Zach? How many did Charcandrus and uh, uh, drop off? Ooh, I would guess Charcandrus probably had around two hundred something. I'd have to go back and look because I have actual stats for that. Drop off was like a character. There's things I wish I would have done a little bit more with drop off, but he was like a statted, like a tenth or eleventh level character. So yeah. I think he was more. I'm going to throw. He didn't have a ton of hit points on his own, but he's gonna. I'm gonna make you fight this Hydra, and I have these traps and stuff like that. So yeah. he himself wasn't a lot so much as like the encounter had him more to get through. I think for Kishara with her two forms combined, it was about 300 hit points because like her and her sort of human guys was only about was actually only about like 90 but she was a 17th level wizard or something like that she had ninth level spells and everything but but she wasn't as powerful but then when she turned into her like snake you know Mm uant form uh that that had like 200 hit points but it was all just fangs and multiple head attacks and stuff like that was much more melee so yeah but but 500's a lot. <laughs> so final tally was the amount of damage you did was 455. Oof. was the total in 32 um, hits that you guys got on it. Yikes. So, But that that stuns. Those stuns definitely they cha- turns the tide for sure. They did. That was crazy. Yeah. Here's what I want to know about the final battle. I know you said you didn't really have it. You didn't really plan how it would go. Like, But did you kind of expect that we would have fewer... Uh, PCs at that point that we would have taken some of us out because we were all fine uh, going into that final battle. So each of us was playing mm-hmm. two. This is a follow oh, up. Did you think the, the PVP battle. would have taken out some of us or like lessened our hit points or whatever? Follow up to the Royal Rumble. I, yeah, I was. I didn't have a plan. It was just I knew. <laughs> I, I, I knew. Why I asked Jeff. <laughs> Guys, I, be the that was your season. What was the script, Jeff? <laughs> there wasn't a script. I only knew I was. You guys were going to fight each other, and whatever damage you did to that. You were then going to have to fight Gohal again. Mm. And so I had some things 
plan to help and like mm-hmm. maybe I could have some extra lifelines or some things happen in the pike. Um, but it was all but it was all just they're gonna fight and then the boss battle fights. Like mm-hmm. the the thing where you fight each other will only damage yourselves. Yeah. It's a lesson in um solidarity because like if you fight yourselves, you're not fighting the actual bad guy, right? Yeah. So a, a lesson in um class solidarity for everybody. Well, and we also did a good the job the, with the, that. the the god intervention uh from a couple of people that had died, that was interesting too, because like they were all they all received some sort of boon in the middle of that battle. That's right. Um, you let me uh wild shape again. Yeah. <laughs> I had, was nice. I had something I for everybody, a, but I don't um, think I needed you. What deal. was it? It was the moon. What was it? Moon you had a moon beam, beam that was just like permanently there. <laughs> that didn't require concentration. Perma moon. Perma moon. That's OP. Carver also, had... also, when you can't get your pants back up, perma moon. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different combat yeah. tactic. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> I never know what Jeff's going to do, but I can often trace what ends up happening to like, I remember having a DM conversation about that. Like the level thing, like, oh, I see how that how impacted him. And going back to like how he became Giaka in season three, like, yeah, I could see how that happened. <laughs> I never would have expected it to have the outcome it did. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Even talking about like having guests from the very beginning, we've talked about like, yeah, we can bring in guests for a, a, a episode or two. And they could end up being a bad guy or they could die. We can have a lot more like fun and dynamics with characters dropping into our story format that don't have to be, you know, long hundreds of episodes, characters are. And then if that character dies, it's like a big emotional deal. You can bring into somebody, right. fall in love with them and then take them away. Damn Cass. We want Cass. So what do we need? We need to know what XX, what happened to XX Play no, Hard. Lingering question. <laughs> Lingering questions, yeah. We need to find Cass again. Oh, no, we square yes. up no, with Cass him. Was in the final. He was there. Yeah, he, yeah. Was in, he apologized to Remy. We ate some pockets. True. We want to hear <laughs> Never apologize to me. To... <laughs> um, what else did we talk I about? I want to know what happened to the knights that we had previously seen but didn't see in this season. Because if we have encountered a situation where knights were killed or any of our previous characters taken out, did they go into hiding? Where have they been? Right. That's That's an open question for me. It's an opportunity for uh, other DMs to uh, prune the tree a little bit. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, that wasn't a question. Take out. I am not going to kill off anybody else on screen or off uh, okay. that own, that's owned by somebody else. I learned my lesson. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> second gobbles. season. Uh, yeah. So if we're gonna if we're gonna kill off a character or a PC or something like that, we'll do that. Honorably. Pour one out for cobbles. Yeah. I hope Jarek brings that book to Silius. You didn't have the book anymore. Oh, that's right. It got taken away when you lost your. Who went? No, we were sending. Who were we sending? Biscuit went to Salias. Oh, that's right. Oh, they would. They would. Jarek and Sarsa are dropping off Biscuit in Marcasia with Salias at the new library. Oh, I forgot that. Falcon Reach. I haven't heard that episode yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, we talked about. um, In uh, RX is going to recruit. Yeah, I think that makes he, a lot of he's sense. He's kind of like, you know, he's going to sneak around, going to recruit a little bit. Um, Y'all want to be a knight. <laughs> hey, uh, I got this organization. <laughs> it's real nice. Like the least charismatic. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Uh, and I think, I think Carver, uh, I see him, you know, he's a support character. Uh, so I, I see him and his... his Iron Legion or whatever his his two friends. Oh, that's right. I forgot uh, that he ended up with uh, with buddies. I, I see them kind of like scouting around, doing like little field medicy kind of stuff. Like, here's this thing I made for you. You can only use it as long as it takes me to get to the next thing and make mm-hmm. something for somebody else. <laughs> like, um, just but, don't ruin Sars's cup. Oh yeah. Well, that's <laughs> going away at some point. <sighs> at some point, it will just stop working. <laughs> It will have been well loved by yeah. them. It's already well loved. Really need At drink, some point, you never out. know when it is that it will pour its last pint. And That's you have to treasure each pint as if it's your last. Drink twice as much. That's yeah. like the motto of my life. That, that was a fun moment of like creating that. And Sars would be like, this is the greatest moment. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, you know, as far as like moments, uh, like that was, I think she was very genuinely touched by that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I liked the, um, 
what was it the the mansion that we all went into rest oh, yeah. that was all your like your deep inner thoughts was, uh, <laughs> a bunch of gases <laughs> a bunch of gases yeah it got that got i don't know how much of that gases <laughs> and coal flint spires and <laughs> I, uh, we were talking before we started recording uh my husband has commented on some of the bleed of these characters into my daily life and and i mean sarsa I believe it or not, I drank a lot of whiskey before the show, but he, he's commented. He's like, I can tell when you've been playing uh, Sarsa and then uh, lately I a lot of champagne and, and I do a lot of gesticulating with my hands and kind of fall into this timber. And he's like, oh, yes, you've been playing a lot of Deidre. So, you know, the bleed is real. You're going to come home from work and be like, get me a Chardonnay, please. Uh, Husband. Those words do get spoken in our house. <laughs> I have some very elaborate house robes um, as well. <laughs> I don't have the little like kitten heels with the fuzzy pom-poms on the front yeah. yet. Essential. <laughs> Someday. Well, if you haven't heard already, uh, Chris Daly is going to be DMing hey. season five Yay! of Knights of the Roll Table. Chris, is there anything to look forward to in season five? Anything you can tease at this point? Well, we talked a little bit about the themes of the previous seasons, how season one was sort of discovering, uh, you know, who you are as heroes and, and this Knights organization, uh, starting small. And, and then season two was kind of a little bit more about discovering a greater realm and, and, and coming up from being an underdog, like unlikely heroes, like now that you have a little bit of power, but that, that season was sort of, you know, oh, oh, you you guys are, yeah, you're local heroes. That's fine. But like, there's more important people, but like all of those people have problems and like, and people that start from lower levels can kind of rise up. Season three being very like, we, we revisited some characters. Uh, it sort of showed a little bit more of the, the world threat, how there are all these people that are trying to like kind of usurp, uh, power in different areas of the realms and how characters that we've met before are starting to come together and i think season four sort of elevated that and with the the great turmoil as as jeff has coined it um showed that all throughout this world that we've created now there's a lot of uh these different characters in in, in this season five uh session zero episode that that we did uh, we termed those evil rulers uh we, we gave them a term called elites um so the elites that are now in charge in many of the realms um uh will be explored and if anything this is going to be now that the knights is is like an underground sort of in survival mode um and and we've sort of eliminated the like who can we trust kind of aspect of it uh now it's a it's it's going to be gathering information well exciting stuff to look yeah. forward to um thanks again everybody for listening and thanks to all of our players here for joining us and you guys thanks for a great season four thanks for being here a toast to jeff Huzzah. Huzzah. No. follow us on uh, instagram <laughs> at, at roll table. table instagram and twitter and clubhouse and so before season five, we're going to be doing some one shots. Oh, yeah, some one shots. Several from all different domains. One of them is going to be like a battle royale kind of situation. I'm so excited! For it's that. going to be guest DM. Yes. We're going to do one or two sort of mini one shots at different points in the realm. So you'll see all that. Jan coming is coming up. back to to DM a, yeah. a one shot, yeah. which will be fun. Which has some characters that we had some from a previous one shot. Are going to go down, and then uh, and then we'll have a. a, a a season five session zero that we already recorded and then we will have season five uh air after that sometime in july so i can't wait whoop, whoop. should be fun thanks for listening everybody now go, go out. out get that vaccine <laughs> and then, and then make, make life, life, an life an adventure an adventure <laughs> <laughs>